Hello and welcome to episode three of the Let's Talk Azure podcast uh, with your hosts, Sam. And Alan. Hello, Alan. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. How are you? How was your weekend? Um, my weekend was good, thank you. We've obviously had um, quite a busy time in the world of Apple. Uh, Apple's WWDC um, has kicked off now. So yeah, there's lots of updates coming from there because um, I do do some work. Um, well, not unfortunately, but Alan would say that, um, not just on Microsoft products. So um, so yeah, so lots of lots of new and exciting updates from them. Uh, how about you? Have you been busy? Uh, yeah, it's been a fairly busy weekend. Um, social distancing and seeing family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it, isn't it? Like our week, uh, you know. There's obviously we cannot moan whatsoever, you know, because no. we have our health and everybody around us has been. We've been very fortunate where the part of the world that we live in um, that hasn't been, you know, um, too badly affected uh, by the pandemic has it. It's been quite. Um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, we yeah. still definitely have been impacted and we've been in lockdown like everybody else, but it's just, yeah, it's just a strange old time, obviously, at the moment. But um, I do get the semblance that not just with what the government's doing, but, you know, uh, with work and things like that, things are starting to slowly come back to life, especially for me anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, the week the weeks have been pretty busy through um, COVID anyway for yeah. myself looking at the security and getting people remote working etc yeah so yeah exactly right so what are we talking about today alan so we're talking about citizen developers what's, <sighs> so what's this podcast called uh this is called the rise of the citizen developer and uh it's, a, it's an aptly named title because uh we seem to be giving these these people more power um so yeah so we've got a bit of a star wars-esque theme going on i like it um right should we just jump in then and start you know sort of discussing what citizen developers are and we're just going to take you sort of through um it might not it might be that in your organization you might not be um have um have access to citizen developers at the moment but it's definitely something that is um happening with digital transformation um we're seeing more and more citizens developers um over time and it's something that uh, we wanted to talk about because we feel it's um important for it to understand sort of the the benefits of having citizens developers in the organization um so alan what is a citizen developer so citizen developer, in my view, I mean, I could technically class myself as one because I'm not a, a pro developer like yourself. Um, Thank you. But yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll um, pay you afterwards. Yeah, uh, I look forward to that. Um, yeah, so that in, in sort of in in within the the organisation, um, people you know standard users, not necessarily IT people, um, able to do no code, low code development. That's how I see it, and being able to help fix or plug those like small issues or processes they maybe want to automate. Yeah, I think it's um, it's sort of where there's sort of pockets or um, you know there's teams of people that are working. They traditionally have um, uh, business process issues that they might want to automate. Let's say they've got a um, quite a mundane task that they want to automate, like, you know, sending a report every month or, you know, when an Excel spreadsheet's updated or something. At the moment, somebody would manually go and create that report, right? Um, and 
the whole point of citizen developers are is that these are people that are in different job functions to you know standard IT versus you know IT or software development that use these no code or low code solutions however you want to call it um, and platforms to actually you know fix the business problems that they've got by themselves in a self-service manner right um, and they are the ones that know their challenges the best um, and given the tools um, they can you know obviously fix those problems yeah and it's not necessarily automation it could be um, visualizing data or or it, well, in effect presenting data in in basic applications yeah um, so so why do you think um why do you think citizen developers have actually you know ha- have actually come about you know where, where do we think why is there why is there the need for citizen developers uh, so i think there's it you know, obviously a lot of um some sort of uh, units within companies you know hr finance um probably have some small um things they need to sort out you know like we said like a bit of automation or or you know just some small basic apps that they might need um instead of sort of spinning up a a full project with it to get you know a third party in or in-house development from pro um developers you know it, it becomes quite expensive um potentially um so this is the kind of thing that you know with the tools that are out there being able to do it themselves um or with you know some assistance from it um yeah to, to fix those those quick those small problems those quick wins in some in some instances anyway yeah definitely i think when you're talking about you know there's a multitude of downsides to custom development right you know or even maybe even bringing online some sort of SaaS solution, right? With a SaaS solution, you got that integration issue, right? You know, how does how does that SaaS platform communicate with the data that's on, well, inside, uh, I would say premise, but I, I don't know what you refer it to, but sort of, your, sort of your your online entity, you know, your Office 365, you know, how do you, how do you authenticate against it? How do you, you know, do you have to copy all your data into a SaaS provider? What happens to that data when it's there? So a way to not use SaaS is to obviously go back to a more traditional approach where you're building bespoke software, but then you have, you know, all of the ops cost of managing the infrastructure that runs it and the CapEx cost of building it and licensing and, and finding a development team that understands your business. And, and like you say, it could cost you, tens if not hundreds of thousands of pounds to do that you know uh, dependent on the scale of the project um where low code comes in as it says okay well you know if we're talking about the power platform as our quotes low code platform power platform is already inside if you're on office 365 it's already inside your organization isn't it you know we already have um the security enforce the government governance of the data and all of those different things and it's almost self-serve from that point of view, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as you said, that that uh, I mean, as the example of Power Platform, it's in your 365 environment. So it's, I guess it's within your cloud perimeter yes. um, where your data is, where you can yeah. put the, the security controls in yeah. there. Yeah. So should we just do a quick, I mean, I don't want to talk too much in depth about the power platform, but should we just have a quick overview of sort of the different facets of the power platform? Yeah. So there's, there's three areas um, within it. So there's power BI, um, power apps and 
Power Automate or Microsoft Flow, as it was called before Ignite last year. Um, so Power BI is the ability to show um, your data um, and visualize it in, in a nice way um, and to build dashboards and that and share them within the organization. And the data source can just be an Excel spreadsheet within 365 as an example or SharePoint lists or the, the common data service CDS. Um, yeah, so so I suppose in that scenario, just to give a actual working example, if you had, uh, if you're an accountant, and I'll use accountants because I I know a few of them. Um, so if you've got the same reports that you run each month, then maybe you've got a process like you know, um, a lot of uh, accountancy is still done in Excel, um, and you might have specific Excel workbooks that you duplicate each month and you create new revisions of and things like that. So it's all the same format, and they've already got their processes built. Uh, you know, built out, you know, over years of refining them. Um, but then Power BI allows you to, you know, connect, connect straight to that Excel spreadsheet and put a data model on top of it. Well, auto, you can automate that or well, automate it, but it's, it's pretty simplistic to do. And then you can do dashboards and reporting off the top of that. And then you can embed those anywhere you want. So you can embed them, you know, SharePoint, teams you know all over you know dynamics all over the place can't you um so that yeah. the rest of the business has visibility on it and then you know once that spreadsheet updates or you create a new revision or however your your process works then that dashboard's updated for you automatically right um yep so there's a sync process that um so it's able to collect the data and then visualize yeah. it as, as and when and i think it's just good to say that the power platform is fully managed right nobody there is no, I mean, there is a secure, we'll talk about uh, data um, and, you know, in, in access authorization security is obviously one part of it, but the actual power platform itself is, you know, from our side, self-serve, we don't worry about it staying up. That's Microsoft's problem. You know, that's what we pay our license fees for. Yeah, they patch it, they update it, they bring new features, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and just to, just to say on it is that you can bring data in from your on-premise um, sources. So if you've got an, an you know an on-premise application um, that you know it backs onto SQL as an example, um, you can probably you can query that data there and sh and visualize it. So you can start building dashboards for you know on-premise CRMs or finance systems, I guess, as an yeah. example. Um, so uh, what about Power Apps? So Power Apps is kind of what it sounds like. It's you know it's applications, but it's 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 no code, low code um, development. And again, you can visualize. You, know, you can you could build something like a um, a, a contact um, directory um, where where you can you know store information into it, and it could be just an Excel spreadsheet it updates. Or another example is um, if you're in a event, um, which may not happen. Yeah, anytime soon but yeah <laughs> if you were at an event you could have a you know the staff or the people running that um your stand could have a power app that allows you to input data from the people that come to the stand with their questions and that could be put into a spreadsheet etc and yeah. live you know instantly updated for someone in the back end to then contact them you know within minutes i guess if you really yeah. wanted to and I think one thing to say about Power Apps is they work um, across platform, right? You can you can view them on the web. Um, you can also view them on mobile. And on mobile, um, Power Apps is 
ever evolving. You know, it's, I would say, relatively new, right? It's not brand new. It's definitely, you know, it's not in public preview or anything like that. It's been out for a while now. But um, we every single revision, we get more and more functionality that can be done um, inside of Power Apps. And you can take, you know, advantage of native hardware features. So you can scan barcodes, take pictures, um, and you can do a variety of things that a standard web app, um, it would take, you know, serious effort to implement those in a bespoke native application, right? So, um, yeah, and the the interface for you know building these applications is is fairly simple. I mean, you know, I I do it from a you know I'm not a developer. Um, yeah. Well, I'm a citizen developer, I guess I classed as. But um, I'll I'll let, I'll let you be one of those. Yeah, well. thanks. thanks. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it, you know, it's almost drag and drop. You know, I need a new text box. Okay, let's drag it over here. Let's put yeah. what data I want in it. You know, there is you know, there is some code to it, and you know, using variables and you know if commands and things like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's... and I think I think just to say as well is it is extensible. So if you are more, um, if you do have a client that is on inside of Power Apps, you can build custom components for it, and you can extend it out um, using um, the frameworks that Microsoft provide, which is again super powerful, right? Um, it's yeah, it's 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 awesome. Um, yeah, and then the, I guess the other one is the Power uh, Power Automate, then isn't it in Flow? So yeah. That is, in effect, building, um, as it sounds, flows of actions um, that you may want to take. So that could be, um, as Sam said uh, earlier, you know, a spreadsheet gets updated. Um, so then you want to look for the new row in that Excel spreadsheet, and then you want to send an email. Or uh, the other example is a new file acts, you know, enters into a SharePoint site. And then you want to send a, a message to the team owner or the SharePoint site owner to say there's a new update to the report or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, no. So we're really talking about automation here, aren't we? We're talking about business process automation. Yeah. Um, and there are there is now Power Virtual Agents as well um, for RPA. So if you really do want to get into um, sort of intelligent workers, automated workers, and, and that sort of thing. Um, it, it, they've got all of that sort of functionality functionality there. I think just to also recap with all of this, the, the, the part that underpins all of this is the common data service, which is um, a data store, um, which allows you to um, pull, well, you know, uh, push and pull data into it from any of these different um, these different systems, right? It sort of underpins. That's why, you know, um, Power Apps can, well, you, everything's got connectors, right? And that's the next bit to talk about. But, you know, you can, if you put things, if you put data inside a common data service, it's going to be readily available for other um, systems that are on the common data service, right? It's, it's, it's the go-to place to store that data. Yeah, um, I mean, when we talk about the security side of things, um, it's fairly um, good with its, you know, rollback or RBAC controls. There, yeah so. yeah no definitely and just another point to make as well all of these platforms are very connector orientated aren't they um they're all about um not necessarily taking over your organization and saying you need to use you know this content management system but there are connectors for the vast majority of large um uh, SaaS products that are out there on-premise data stores um, and and things like that, right? 
Yeah. So, yeah. So if you want to connect to the example for an automation thing could be that you connect to Twitter and uh, collect the tweets for your business account and then they get stored in, they get emailed to someone or um, posted on Teams. So you've got yeah. a record of what's happening or certain, you, know, you can do um, queries on, you know, what you know, certain words were used. How do I, yeah. how do I? So it goes to the support team exactly. If you imagine like that, if in a marketing department, being able to pull down all your mentions and replies from your customers and put them into, even just into an Excel spreadsheet, right? So that you can then report on them and then use them in your, you know, your marketing reports, you know, and say, right, you know, customer sentiment at the moment is, is, is good. It's bad. You know, this is where we need to improve. You know, it's just taking out that mundane, you know, uh, having right. to go through Twitter and get all that it's, information out, right? That's that's a good example in that you could have Power Automate collect those tweets, put it in Excel spreadsheet, and then Power BI do a dashboard to show you what the trends are and things like that. Yeah, most common keywords, you know, things like that. Yeah. You know, how many um, tweets in a day? Exactly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know there are obviously products out there that serve that purpose, aren't there? Yeah. Um, but it might just be that you maybe don't need you know, to procure a piece of software to do that because you might only actually care about two or three different, you know, metrics that are important to your team and specific to your business. You know, you might be like, I only, you know, I only care about the, the you know, these users, um, you know, you know, and, and just focus on, on, on those metrics. So, yeah, I think it's, I still think it's, you know, really powerful. So, um, so we obviously have got an idea of now of, what low code looks like and the platform that's there i mean i suppose the next question is is how can we allow this development to happen i say allow but encourage this development is probably the better way because as it professionals you know front and center of our mind is security and governance right you know making sure that you know the data stays within our perimeter like we've spoken about um because you know it's all well and good people giving these people these tools but if it's not secure and it's not robust then you know it's just not going to end very well so i suppose from your perspective alan how do you think what do you think the steps are to get your teams ready to you know to maybe try citizen development so there's, there's some some things that you can do within the 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 power platform um, to basically, you can specify which connectors certain users can have. So you may want to, you know, disable all the um, cloud service, you know, the cloud storage ones like Box, Dropbox, um, unless you've got business accounts in those, um, to, to to help reduce the the potential for data to be exfiltrated. Um, that's probably a good first step. But you probably want to look at how data can be stored in the common data service, the CDS, because there's a lot of RBAC controls in there. You can, you can specify certain people can see certain columns in a, in an entity. Um, an entity is in effect a table, isn't it, Sam? I think. Yeah, it's in very, there. it's very, it's, it's very similar to a, it's, it's like a no SQL data store. Um, but yeah, if you imagine, you know, an entity is just, well, an entity, well, it's just like a, a table's worth of data of entities, right? Yeah. So yeah, you can specify, you know, people can only see certain types of row based on, you know, it could be a customer, I guess, or a, um, a department or, you know, one of the columns based on that, you know, filtering it in effect, but also you can do it against, um, columns. So you might be able to see the customer, um, 
and their um, their account number, but you might not be able to see their address, as an example. Um, yeah. And then yeah. I guess it's more around um, maybe a, a, a lightweight training or just showing you know some of what you can do the power of it um yeah i think i think that um that sort of training element and support element is really important right because because structuring um how these teams maybe not you know it coming in to build everything right because it's got enough to do right but you know just talking with users to say this is the functionality that we're licensed for right you might already be licensed for a lot of this and you might not be using it right you're paying for it and not using it um so i think i think that training aspects i mean it really depends on the size of your organization because you're you know you yourself might not um actually use the power platform well you might use the power platform but not like a citizen developer um so you might not have much experience in it so that's where you could potentially look to a partner um and that's obviously one of the massive benefits of uh, the microsoft ecosystem is its partner network um you can look out to a partner and say okay i'd like you to come in and help us with you know um power bi or you know or to give us some training on how to use these tools right yeah and it could even just be even just to um assist in a single application to show the power of it um to, you know, to fix that that small problem that might be in one of the the departments to show them how to do that development but also um to again like i said to to show the benefit to then help encourage it over, you know, across the business um and reduce the amount of it um in interaction i guess to save you know save them some time to get on with the the more important securing the you know securing the infrastructure etc yeah and i think that is that is that's my sort of take on it is that if if we um as the, the it professionals give um users a sort of a safe playground i call it a playground because this is business this is like you know adding actual value right mm-hmm. um they will be able to they could maybe envision how they see um the tools fixing their problems because it's not necessarily for us to come in and go this is going to fix this for you because we're not you know um on the battlefield so to say every single day like we don't know and understand all of these uh these business you know these business departments uh you know the inner workings of them so um i think that's that's really important and i i have seen in larger organizations like governments you know local government organizations where some users just take command and charge of this anyway, right? I've, I've, I've talked to, um, I've had conversations with accounting team clients where they are already using Power BI, right? And then they turn to somebody like me and say, okay, we've got to where we can go with Power BI because we've, we've already, uh, the analogy that I was once told, I can't remember who told it to me, but Power BI is like PowerPoint for data. And it very much is, right? And that's not to undermine Power BI because it's an insane product. But, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of as simple as, okay, I want a pie chart here. I want a, you know, a chart here. I want to slice this data. I want to pivot this data here. Um, and uh, like accounting teams, especially, they kind of already know that because it's all in the same language of Excel, right? But where they get stuck is where they maybe want to polish things and make things look good. And they don't know how to 
now embed that Power BI, right? Because they're using the free version of Power BI. And, and it's more around, it's not necessarily me coming in and saying, I, I have done it where I've helped to define the data model, like a more complex data model, right? Because it's got to, to advance for, you know, not, not that they can, can't con conceptualize it, but there's just some things that they, they, they haven't got the time to learn because they are still accountants, right? Um, but they do to just get to that natural point where they're like, okay, now we need some, we, we've tested, we've validated our assumptions. We can see the value in this, in this product. Um, let's get somebody in to help us take it to the next level. Right. Yeah. And, and even though, you know, you're bringing in pro developers or, um, people that are, you know, pro, uh, are experts at the, the power platform, those engagements aren't going to be potential. You know, they shouldn't be big engagement because the, you know, the platform's there, you're not building it from scratch. You're just assisting in you know, the data model, the, the visualizations, the, the more yes. complex stuff. Yeah, exactly. I'm not building like, for instance, as a developer, when we're talking about visualizations for power BI, I'm not building the power BI platform. Am I from scratch, like a visualization platform from scratch? I'm basically, you know, somebody's coming to me and saying, I want to be able to visualize something else these kpis in a different way um can you build me a custom visualization for that and then microsoft go to me as a developer here's a framework for you to build those visualizations follow our you know our best guidance and you know uh code structures and and our documentation and you can slice and visualize that data however you like yeah um so so that's why it's kind of a match made in heaven really because we can come in and do these engagements where it's like like you say it's not six months or a year right it's you know uh we're talking days and weeks instead of months and years aren't we you know i think that's the that's the point yeah and i, I guess you've kind of answered the, the the question we were we were trying to get out of it was you know, what happens about you know the pro developers like yourself you know does it mean that you're not going to be used as much but you've kind of suggested that that's not the case because there's still you know there's also only so far you know people can get to and, and sometimes that's enough for them but you know yeah, when you want to yeah, yeah i mean there's many developers that just specialize in one of those technologies right you yeah. know you can you know i know loads of just power bi developers i mean power bi is a weird one because it also takes into account data analysis you know and data processing and and etl transformations and things like that so you've got this more data architect, you know, um, as well as development and visualization. So it's a bit of a hybrid role, really, um, or you just specify in data modeling or something. But, but yeah, like, you know, these, these citizen developers have their own full-time jobs, right? You know, they're just trying to look potentially at fixing some of their most mundane tasks. I, and I say mundane, I mean, it's not that's not to discredit the value that these systems bring, right? They bring absolutely incredible value, um, you know, if they are implemented in the correct way. I think my only reservation, you know, in the past was how do we secure that? How is it done correctly? You know, like how do we maintain our security perimeter, you know? Yeah, and that's probably one thing to mention is, is the Power Platform really is, designed for the internal applications and it, it can you can surface it to external people um via i think it's the the portals um yeah. solution but it's generally for internal processes 
yeah for sure yeah yeah definitely i mean it's it's what it's all geared around and i think that's where it can add the most value because if you're talking about a public system there are a lot of SaaS platforms content management systems there's loads of like you know stuff already out there for to assist you with that do you know what i mean it's 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 internal it's getting inside of the like the guts of your business and you know office 365 is already there isn't it so it you know well if you've done that transformation if you've moved to the cloud and you've 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 been through that process a lot of companies still haven't obviously uh, but you can like you can do power bi on premise can't you and and things like that so they do have you know different methodology to get it into like, an on premise environment yeah and you're talking about those um mundane tasks as such um i'll give an example um a project manager having to grab do burn down reports or timesheet reports to a customer you know having to run through the timesheet app and collect all that data about you know who, when they've done this project what time they've put against it the comments etc yeah um you know you, you you're able to build a power app to say um this this put this you know this resource this customer i want between this date click submit it goes to a power automate that goes and grabs the data from the the date you know from the application if it's supported um and then you can do things like um populate a a word template with all that data you know and that that process for that um project manager it's probably like three you know one or two days if not three trying to get through all that data potentially you know and that's now it's done within five ten minutes and that's that that part of the project manager's role isn't the valuable part right it's the insight that they can give the business and you know the actions that they take every day to manage those projects it's not the the reporting is critical and important and I'm, i'm not discrediting that whatsoever but to use such an amount of, you know, um, of a person's time um, is when we can automate things does seem a bit tragic. But then we can't spend, you know, months implementing these systems and potentially getting them wrong. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to, to bring that on again, that 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 process, potentially you've got things that, you know, like DocuSign is one of the connectors. Um potentially you could actually PDF that document um, and then send it directly out to the customer to get, you know, a digital signature. You know, you yep. could potentially do this with, I mean, there are systems out there, like you said, you know, you potentially could do stuff for signing T's and C's and, and things like that this way. Yeah. Potentially. And like yep. you said, there's, there's other apps out there. Um, yeah, for or, sure. Or SaaS yeah. apps that do this stuff. It's yeah. Not- but, that there is, but you've got to remember that it, it, like in my world, there's a lot of people that don't use SaaS apps because of, you know, they've got hundreds of them, you know, especially in large organizations, they cost a lot to procure long contracts, you know, trying to prove the value, you know, and all of those things. So sometimes you do just want a small bespoke widget, but you don't want all the hassle that bespoke development you know, yeah, and and a SaaS app might provide more functionality that you might not need right now that you're paying for. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, um, yeah. and yeah. again, the data may have to leave into that application to be able to use it as well. Yeah, and the thing is, with the Power Platform, you may already be licensed for it, and it might just be a case of configuring what is there and using what you're already paying for. 
right instead yeah. of having to go and procure something yeah so we probably should talk about how how you get it i guess as well um yeah so it's part of the office 365 um licenses uh definitely in the office 365 e3 or a3 for your education um i'm not too sure about the uh frontline workers ones i think some of them you can um there has been some new releases of the license or updates to the frontline licenses um and Power BI Pro um, is part of the Office 365 E5 license, isn't it? But you can buy it separately. Um, yeah. The benefit yeah. of the Pro, um, from what I remember, is that you can um, publish it internally into the you know, into the um, Teams and SharePoint and share with other people. I think that's right, Sam, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And some of the some of the connectors are premium. So sometimes you have to pay for an extra license to use them. But in the example that I gave about the PM, you know, three days worth of time is, you know, cheap is more expensive than spending X. I, I don't know what the pricing is, but, you know, say 10 pounds a month for to access for, to that premium license. You know, it's, it could cost way more than that for those three days for a PM. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Cool. Should we wrap it up there uh, with citizen developers? Um, you know, TLDR. We love citizen developers. Um, I think we should empower them, you know, to, you know, where it makes sense. I mean, not all, all organizations are mature enough to be at the stage. You know, it's um, it's an ever evolving thing. But I think there is definite value that can be that can be had from from, from using it. Yeah. And I think there's some quick um, configurations to, to reduce the risk of data leaving and securing it. That means that, you know, IT departments don't have to worry, you know, be too scared of it, you know, is, is enhancing the business. Um, yeah. And it's all, you know, again, it's all within Office 365, so it's all under control. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, should we move on to some news? Yeah. I mean, we're not going to go through too many bits of news um, because, well, from my side, there isn't a lot of it. Um, well, I mean, there, there is, but, you know, this, this is just bits and bobs that we, you know, feel are the most... Um, exciting to us, you know, not necessarily important, but sort of exciting. Yeah, and you're probably still ingesting all the build stuff from a two or three. Yeah, weeks I'm, ago. I'm, I'm kind of, I, I'm not done with Azure updates, but I am. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, build was a few weeks ago now, but it's just the volume of, you know, again, hats off to everybody that was involved in that, but it's just, yeah, the amount of, you know, new announcements that came out of that is, um, yeah, incredible. Um, so Al, uh, do you want to take it take it away with conditional access? Yeah, so uh, conditional access, um, it's been out for a little while, some of this, but the report-only mode um, was introduced. Um, so that allows you to um, create a conditional access rule, um, which a conditional access rule is basically specifying how a user can access an application integrated with Azure AD. So for most people, that will be Office 365, um, but if you integrate other apps, it can be those as well. So this could be their location, the type of device they're on, um, what group they're in, that kind of thing. Um, but beforehand, you had to kind of make it go live. There's no, there's no staging or testing um, yeah. with this. Yeah. Um, so it allows you to test that um, conditional access rule. So it only reports it saying, I would activate this. Um, or block this access or allow this access. Yeah, because wasn't uh, when we when we first talked about this, it was I sort of said to you, well, do you test your conditional access rules in production? 
and you're like yeah well yeah. i can do it you can do a check you could do a check before couldn't you to see if somebody would be caught by the condition access rule right yeah so you can do a what um, if um but yeah. you can you can scope the the condition access rule so you could do you could do testing in the live with test with with like real people yeah um, so you can prove it but you're not going to catch every scenario there's no, always going exactly. to be uh, someone um working remotely that's you've not thought of so is so this is basically a way to define those conditional access rules and then monitor them for a period of time before you go live with them yeah um so the the bit that they sort of introduced this because report only mode was there and you could see it in the logs that it on signing logs that someone would have triggered it kind of thing um yeah they brought this insight and reporting bit out recently so basically it's like a, a dashboard for you where you can drill into that data visually so you can okay. you can click on like a um and a conditional access rule and it will tell you that it got it would have got hit 50 times or 50,000 times um but that insight and reporting isn't just for the report only mode it's for all your conditional access rules so you might be able to see that actually one of your rules has never been hit because something above it is it's always catching it so it can tweak your um your rules at the same time so it's pretty good cool no, that sounds like a definitely a worthy upgrade. That's for sure. I um, mean, there's some couple of defender um, changes, aren't there? Yeah. So, I mean, this is this today. Um, Microsoft Defender ATP for Android has been gone public preview. Nice. So there, they have. There was announced at RSA in March, I think it was, that they were developing Defender ATP for Android and iOS. Um, there has been some private previews for Android, um, but now it's gone public today. So um, there is some Microsoft documentation, a blog post that you can go to to see how to set that up. But it means okay. you're bringing that protection to your mobile devices. Um, and what's being brought is, in effect, malware scanning to the device, but also web protection. So it's looking at um, SMS phishing and and um, WhatsApp phishing and all that sort of stuff, let alone, you know, the emails um, open up on your device. Um, okay. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good that's coming. Yeah. Um, the other bits are there's some new alert pages for incidents within the Defender ATP, so they've updated them to improve, um, you know, improve the focus of the incident. Um, yeah. And the other thing that they've recently brought out is that they're on Windows 10. Um, they're able to do um, scanning of the um firmware of the device so the the uefi okay um to look for root kits and stuff so you can you know that it's it's a secure boot and there's nothing no code in there nice trying to you know get at you know exfiltrate any data there yeah defender atp is definitely lots of updates coming out of there recently right yeah and there's no additional cost to that mobile bit it's part of the 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 Windows t- 10 Enterprise E5 license. Nice. So, so again, just extra value for the same price. Yeah. Yep. Like it. Really like it. Um, so yeah, I've only got one bit of news uh, this for this episode. Uh, like Al said, a uh, bit not blown away, but yeah, by build, obviously, lots of updates. You know, we did a whole episode on that. So um, it was pretty much a news episode, wasn't it? Um, the only bit that I've got is um, Azure Maps Creator. Um, and what this basically does is it allows you to create your own maps um, and it's 
it's generally used for indoor maps. So for instance, if you've got, um, if you're doing a conference or, or something like that, you can, you can build your own maps inside of Azure Maps. And what's the real interesting thing about it is, is that these maps are private to your organization. So um, these aren't maps that, you know, it's not like um, you're going to publish the blueprint of your building online, right? Um, but you might want to uh, create a map. Let's say you want to create a map for your um, your SharePoint so people know how to move around your campus or your building. Um, and you can create those maps and then um, use Azure Maps and the Azure Maps SDKs to embed them wherever wherever you want. Um, and yeah, and, and the maps are that can be produced um, – <clears throat> Sorry, um, the maps that can be reduced um, are really visual. Um, they look great, and they can also flow in data from external data sources. So, I'll give you an example. Um, you could build an indoor map for your air uh, your air conditioning system, and then you could show um, in all of your air conditioning zones. So, like in each room, you could say what the current temperature is in those rooms. Um, so you can see which rooms are using potentially more energy um, and and that sort of information. So you can overlay different um, sets of data uh, on top of it, which is which is really good. And there's, there is also um, for, um, for uh, VR experiences, you can um, also embed geospatial anchors in it as well. Um, so for your mixed reality and virtual reality integrations, um, you can have that as well. So, um, so yeah, and just another part just to mention as well is they have also um, partnered with other technology companies that do sort of indoor GPS and um, IoT IoT systems as well. So um, to get that navigation inside of the building. So for instance, you know, if you loaded the map on a phone, it could potentially tell you where you are inside of a building um, where you've got no signal, right? No outs, you know, external GPS signal or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, it's a bit of a, not necessarily a ground it is it I, I just think it's for for the enterprise it's going to add another level of visualization you know what i mean instead of saying you know um meeting room two is you know on the second floor and the eighth door on the right do you know what i mean you could actually you know visualize that in a better way for your organization that's really good Quite yeah like that's it's really good yeah and I, I i picked it out because i don't think Azure maps well doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to get that much love. I mean, it does, but yeah, I just never really see it in the updates. So it was quite interesting to see that they've um, that they've done it. And I think it's in um, public. Let me just double check. Um, doesn't say anything about a public preview or anything like that. So yeah, uh, but there is there's documentation already how to use the creator to create indoor maps. Um, so I think that pretty much wraps it up, doesn't it, Al? Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I think that's pretty much it. I think we've covered the uh, citizen developer and the pros. Um, bit of news, mostly around Defender, because they're just plowing the money into that. It's yeah, so good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, the development is is really is really uh, rapid on that, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, just also, everyone, thank you, every, everybody, for listening. Um, we can see you in our statistics um, that we can see people are listening, people are subscribing, which is really good. Um, we didn't really make this podcast um, for ourselves. Um, we just wanted to be able to share our views out to other people. So it's great that people are listening, right? Yeah, and we're, we're not even promoting it, are we yet? We're not. We're no, just, we're no, it's just... We're how it goes. 
we're just yeah we are just seeing how it goes we want to just make sure that we can stick to a regular <laughs> upload schedule i would just also like to say this is the second time we've recorded this podcast <laughs> um our, our first one had some technical difficulties so fingers crossed this one's better um so that's why we've been a little bit delayed getting out um we don't have a topic for the next episode yet do we alan um so no. We'll, we'll think about that, um, and that should be available in the next. We're trying to hit this t- every two weeks upload schedule, aren't we? Um, so, so yeah. Cool. Uh, right, so uh, thanks very much for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll speak to you later. Yep, catch, catch everyone later. See ya.